Before we have a chance to recognize uh, fathers and prayer, I just want to say, uh, I, in, in all the earth, I don't know that there's anything uh, more powerful than fathers who live as sons first under a father and want to share uh, the leadership of the Heavenly Father with their kids. It's really a powerful thing and, and uh, means a lot. We love that. And I want to say, even as I'm looking around the room, some, some amazing fathers in this room. And uh, we're so thankful for you. You mean a lot, not just to your families. You mean a lot to Jesus' church. Because as you know, the first understanding we ever have of who God is, is through our fathers. Uh, which is, by the way, which all the dads are going, oh my gosh, that is so weighty. Never say that again. You know, like, it's a, it, it is a weight, and yet... Even in our imperfection, we get to point to the Heavenly Father, right? And so I'm thankful for that. So, church, you're going to help me. I want all the dads to stand up, and we're just going to say thank you to them. Men, if you're a father, stand on up. Church, say thank you to them. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Now, uh, what I want to do is just uh, uh, come ar- uh, alongside them. So if you would, just stand up. Maybe there's a guy around you. You could put your hands on. We're just going to lay hands here. Uh, if you've never been in a place where we lay hands, all this is is an opportunity just to uh, impart something, blessing and life over uh, you. And so we're going to do that. Let's make sure we're covering. All right. And then if you'll just pray alongside, maybe just even where you're at, would you just pray your own prayers? And I'll pray for us corporately here. But Father, we are so thankful for these that you've given to us, God. And they'd be the first. I know these men would be the first to say, man, we have not done it perfectly. But Lord, you are on them. You're for them. And you have works that you have done through them. And you're going to do more through them in the days ahead. In fact, I just want to speak over each one of you. Uh, God has amazing days ahead for you. He has plans that are beyond anything that you could imagine. He has things that he wants to impart to you for your own heart, but then he has things that he is going to be utilizing you to do in his kingdom in the days ahead. You were meant for this moment. God has put you, designed you, created you to be able to walk in freedom in life. Lord Jesus, would you let these men rise up to new levels, even just where they're standing, God, new levels tomorrow, God, that they'd be walking in confidence by your presence, confidence that comes from your Holy Spirit, not of their own accord and not of their own ability, but just because each day they're humbling themselves and saying, God, more of you and less of me. And I ask God that there would be a true release over them. They would sense uh, the invigoration of your spirit over them as they walk out all that you've called them to be and to do. We thank you for these men. We honor them. We bless them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right. I'm gonna uh, just pray for us. We're gonna, continuing on. We're in uh, this journey through the book of Nehemiah. I'm just gonna pray for us and uh, and we'll jump in. Father, I thank you that you have some some things to say to us, some things to release. And um, every person here is on a journey of discovery of who you are and your call in our lives. So we don't want to miss this moment where as we walk through this journey, you have something to tell us. You have something to release. You have something to speak. 
And uh, I know there are promises here and there's some encouragement. In fact, I know, Lord, you want to encourage some people in this room. Maybe those who are feeling, in particular, really discouraged. They give some encouragement you want to release here. And so we're just going to receive it from you. Thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm, a, I'm just kind of a regular dude. Um, yeah, I don't even know what regular dude means. In my mind, that means you love war movies. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I think that just kind of defines regular dude. I don't know if that's actually true. I just uh, love war movies. In fact, one of my, uh, one of my favorite all-time uh, movies, it's actually a, it was a mini-series. I mentioned, maybe I've mentioned it before. It's, called, it's, it's a, a series called Band of Brothers, and it's about... Um, uh, a, a group, a company of men, and their journey through all of World War II. And, um, and so each, uh, what you find is there's 10 episodes, and each episode, what you see is a different battle that they're facing all the time. So uh, episode one, the battle that they're facing is they have a horrible commander, and they don't know what to do about it. Uh, and so that's the first battle they have to face. And then episode two is they finally get over and they're ready, getting ready to train. And they're dealing with all the emotions that they're about to drop uh, into uh, France on top of uh, Omaha Beach, which you know is, uh, I mean, it was one of the major uh, uh, assaults of World War II, um, trying to push back uh, the Germans at the time. And so they're about to drop and they're dealing with all the emotional stuff that's going on. And then uh, three, then you see them dropping in and trying to push. And, and it's just one episode after the next, after the next. There are these major battles, and there's this huge opposition that they've got to come up against. And every episode feels like it's gut-wrenching all the time. And, and there's one episode where they're, um, they're in the middle of, of the Belgian forest, and it's freezing, and they don't have enough clothes, and they don't have enough ammo, and they're trying to hold back the enemy. And you just, I'm like... It, it, it'd be 100 degrees in the house, and I'd be like putting a blanket on because you feel freezing watching these guys uh, in, this, um, in, in this battle. And it's, it's one of those things where uh, we, we kind of, we love movies. In fact, the reason we, I think we actually enjoy movies often is because there's some kind of opposition, right? Th- this is why we, we watch, we, we want to see some kind of epic thing take place where there's someone that's trying to move forward and then there's some kind of opposition that comes, right? And this is true uh, even if you like, for, even, even in the chick flick territory, right? The chick flick, all that, all that is is a guy and a girl, and there's some opposition to them actually getting together. Maybe there's this major misunderstanding, and I thought you hated me or whatever. And then, uh, and, and then they've got, by the end of the movie, they have resolved the opposition to them. So I don't care if you're into the girl movies or the dude movies or whatever kind of movies you're into. Every movie is actually about opposition. It's actually about overcoming some kind of force that's come against the people, and that's actually are the totality of our lives. If you could actually think about uh, your life or my life in the context of a grand movie, then the majority of our lives are actually walking through this life and dealing and facing opposition. And we love it on the screen because it's so thrilling. But when we actually experience opposition ourselves, well, that's the worst. 
It can be so discouraging, depending on how well the opposition is doing, depending on what kind of force we're up against, depending on what kind of havoc it's actually wreaking in our lives. We feel that opposition come against us, and it feels like this thing that's knocking us down. Uh, But whatever vision God has given to you for making a difference in this life, I can guarantee you this, we will face opposition. And if you have, if you came in, uh, you got a set of, uh, or you got a worship guide on the back of that worship guide, a set of notes, you can follow along if you want to. And in, fa- in fact, go ahead and grab a Bible. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter four. We've gotten up to chapter four um, in this book. And so if you don't have a Bible, you're going to need one. We're not going to throw the scriptures on the screen because we want you just to be able to look at it for yourself. So grab your phone and, or a black Bible and go there with me. Nehemiah chapter four. Whatever vision... God has given to you to make a difference, to mean something in the kingdom, without question, we will face opposition. This thing is coming. Jesus actually makes a statement. He's his own words. John chapter 16, he says, in this life, you will face tribulation. Some, uh, uh, some translations say hardship, Some translations say trouble. In this life, you're going to face tribulation. But, he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So in this life, you're going to, now, it's easy to go at that point, like Jesus, or what's, I mean, what's wrong? Are you having a bad day? Are, are you, are, are you, do you lack faith here? Like, are you sure that this sounds a little bit cloudy? And, and Jesus said, no, I'm not dealing with, I don't have any faith issues. Jesus never had any faith issues. Perfectly faith in the Father. What he's saying is, is this life is set up on purpose so that you are going to face trials and opposition. It's going to happen. You're going to face this. The issue is take heart I have overcome the world. In fact, what he's actually saying is part of your faith journey, part of your life is actually you're going to face opposition and you're going to be face to face with the fact that you cannot overcome and the only way that you will overcome is because I have overcome. He says take heart because, he doesn't say take heart because you've overcome. What he's saying is take heart because I've overcome. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in circumstances. You will be put in places where you have to deal with the fact that you are going to have to lean on me in a way that you never have before. This is ironclad. And the problem is, is I think whenever we face opposition in this life, what we end up thinking is, Woe is me, man, my faith is so weak and the opposition is so hard and I feel like I'm struggling and I'm falling short. And what we tend to think is when we face opposition, there's something wrong. And what Jesus is saying is when you face opposition, I'm waving my hand say, you're gonna have to trust in me on this deal. You're gonna have to actually come to me and walk with me and trust me. That's exactly where we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter four. Nehemiah chapter 4, we see Nehemiah had a grand vision. He came before the Lord. He, he waited on the Lord. God gave to him a plan. They went ahead and they began to build. They wanted to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, their home that had been t- stolen from them. He had a big vision to rebuild. It was essentially the church. It was essentially God's people. And so we're going to rebuild this church. We're going to 
do what you've called us to do. And then in chapter 4, the tough really gets going. If you'll look with me in Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yeah. They said, yes, but I think he said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what are they building? I mean, if a fox goes up on it, he'll break down their stone wall. Now, verse 4 goes back to Nehemiah. Hear, O our God, for we're despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now, let me just break this down. There's two guys, and these guys have been kind of running things in the region. And Nehemiah comes back to start rebuilding the walls, and all of a sudden, they're looking at the prospect of not being in charge anymore. Essentially, these guys are politically motivated. They're going, we like kind of having run of the land These guys build this wall and establish themselves as a power. That's going to take away our power. This is what's going on. And so they're going, how could you possibly think this is what you could do? You guys are feeble. This opposition comes. Listen, every time we face opposition, it's going to start with lies. Every time there's an opposition in our lives, anytime we face opposition, it's going to start with lies. And that's exactly what takes place right here. The primary lie of the enemy is this. The primary lie is uh, to create doubt. The primary lie is to create doubt and to say, listen, this is what he says, you feeble Jews, have you ever heard in your mind you aren't good enough? You ever heard that before? You ever heard that whisper? You aren't good enough. Who are you to think you could do anything? How could you dare think that you have what it takes And all of a sudden, what these words start sinking into our minds, starts calling into question whether or not your vision is right, whether or not it's valid, calling into question whether or not you have value or worth to be able to do what's in front of you. It's calling into question God's heart for you. Anytime we face opposition, almost almost immediately starts with, how dare you? You really think you could actually make a difference. That's exactly what these guys are saying. That's what they're saying out loud. Now, I love Nehemiah's response, okay? I love his response because he prays what seems like maybe the most hot-headed prayer ever, okay? Like, he's a little angry. If you look back at it, I'll just just read it back with me. Here's, Here's his prayer. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. All right? Here's a little bit of emotion 
All right, and I, I tried to read, <laughs> I was reading some of the commentaries to try to get like an understanding of what's going on here because he's like saying, don't cover their guilt and like send them to hell. I mean, it was like a bad prayer, right? I mean, this is like, what's going on here? A little bit, he's a little bit, you know, ticked off. And he's got this prayer, and I just, I actually love this, because I, I think, I don't think this is one, because a lot of the, they're trying to explain it, well, you know, they were coming against God's plan, and this is why, and I, I honestly, I just think this is just raw emotion. And I've been, somebody's been coming against what I thought God was trying to do in us, telling us we're feeble, telling us we can't make it, we're not going to be able to do it, right? And he's just angry about it. But what I love is that he turns to God, right? And we'll see this all throughout scripture, right? Psalm chapter five, uh, said, this is a psalm from David. There's nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part of is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out, for they are rebellious against you. This is in the, this is in the Bible, right? These are David's words, right? Man after God's own heart, Psalm 54. Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. That's a, that's a good scripture to start a really strong prayer ministry with right there, right? You know, it's like, honestly, can you imagine like, hey, we're going to start a Bible study. Does somebody want to lead out with Psalm 54? Let them dis- be destroyed, God. Yes. You know, it's like, eh, okay. Hey, you know, but here's what's funny to me. This is, these are coming from King David. This is man after God's own heart, right? This is man after God's own heart. So either God's heart's kind of messed up or, or this guy's coming with a lot of zeal and a lot of passion. And what he's saying is, I'm the right place to take that aggression. You take all the frustration you feel from the opposition that's come against you, and you be real with me. Here's the deal. God is not afraid of whatever emotion you got in you, but the right place to take it is to God. Because here's what the enemy would love for us to do is to be confused by whatever opposition's in front of us. What he wants us is looking at all the problems and all the issues and all the things that we can't fix and all the ways that we're being wronged. And what God is saying is, hey, you take that aggression, you bring it up here because I'll deal with this. I'll deal with this. But God's not afraid of your emotion. Bring it to him. Be real with him. Honestly, I think it's one of the worst parts of our Western Christianity is we put a big Christian smile on our face like everything's okay, and you know for certain it ain't okay. And you just need to be real with God, and he can handle your bad ideas and bad emotions. He really can. But what he is out to do is to allow us to see him and bring it to him. Because here's what he does. I love that Nehemiah doesn't start lobbing verbal barbs back at the enemy. That's not what he does. What does he do? He goes to the father and then he says, all right, you gave us a vision. We're going to stay on course. And they begin to build a wall. By the way, half of it's now done. Now, this is the beauty of what happens when God's people say, listen, I, I know that things are against me. I'm going to the one place that I can go to. I'm not gonna put my eyes on the problem, putting my eyes on you, and I'm gonna keep pushing forward in what you have for me. When we experience opposition, how do we respond? That's the question. 
When we experience opposition, how do we respond? Because it's really one of two ways. We can become deflated, disappointed, feel pushed down, feel like I can't do it, I don't have what it takes, I don't think I can make it, or hear this, listen, we can rise up in anger. And I just put in parentheses, righteous anger. Take it to God in prayer and then press forward, move forward. Rise up in righteous indignation, take it to God, be real with him, get squared away, and then begin to move forward. I Honestly, I think the truth is God's looking for you to get a little angry. I think God's looking for just a little bit of like, hey, I am not, okay, I'm telling you, that, let me put it this way. Uh, Revelation says this, listen, I wish you were hot or cold, but this lukewarm junk, I don't get it. Um, you have the king of the universe saying, listen, this like halfway mess where we're just kind of trying to get through and maybe we survive and that's not what I had for you. That's not what I've created you for. I'd rather you were hot, burning hot. I think God's looking for a few people to get a little bit angry about whatever opposition you've faced. Whatever the enemy is lobbing your way, it's just time to get a little bit pissed. It's, just, it's time to go. I'm not, God, you have more for me. I'm not sitting here on this. I'm moving forward in the call that you have on my life, and I'm not going to be reserved. I'm not sitting back. I think God wants to call that life up in us, not to go out on everybody else around, to go right to him, get our hearts centered, and then begin to move forward. Because the tendency is to want to vindicate ourselves, right? That's the tendency. The tendency is to want to, well, I'm doing this, and you're not doing that right, and you haven't done that, and whoever, wherever the opposition is coming from, because inevitably, the opposition, we often feel it from people, sometimes even loved ones, and we feel the weight of that, and we're going, it's not good enough, we're not doing, and, and, and that's what we want to do, and all that does is distract from the vision that God's given to us. That's how we fight. This is how we begin to move the ball forward. As we begin to trust, let's put, you know, we sing that song, this is how I fight my battles, right? This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I've set my gaze, my eyes on you, and I am moving this thing forward in what you've called me to be and to do. And so it's, it's, it's time to fight. It's just time to fight. And often we look, we're looking for somebody to be angry at, and it's time to point anger not at what is in front of us, but see what God is doing and understand there's an accuser. Please hear this. Whatever frustration you've experienced or felt, especially by people that are in front of you, around you, it seem to be keeping you back from what God's called you into. Listen, they're not the problem. Your spouse is not the problem. Your kids are not the problem. Your boss is not the problem. The employees are not the problem. Oftentimes, we want to look and say, this is the problem. And some of the, you're like, spouse is not the problem. Wow. 
They're not the problem. God has immeasurable things he wants to do in each one of those people. The enemy is the problem. The accuser is the problem. This is where the issue is. God has things that he wants to work in you. He has things he wants to work in whatever it feels like, whoever it feels like is in opposition to what God has called you to be and do. But understand this. There is one enemy. Ephesians 6 puts it this way. Every battle you face has nothing to do with flesh and blood. You understand that? Because Christ died so that all flesh and blood could come to him, right? The battle we fight is against principalities. It's against rulers, dark places, who lies in order to destroy. The fight we're in is against the lie of the enemy, that you can't be the father God's called you to be or you can't do the ministry that God's called you to do and that you can't step out and see reconciliation among the loved ones or whatever it is that God's stirring in your heart to do. Let me tell you, this battle is against the lie of the enemy. And whatever person may be stepping in front of you, I can, I can promise you this, God has works that he wants to do in people all over the place. And so that's the question. What's, what's the vision that God has given you and are you holding on to those promises, not losing heart when you experience opposition? Opposition was going to come. It absolutely is going to come. What do we do with it when we get there? And it's okay to have some life, some emotion come up, take it to God and move forward. And they keep seeing this. By the way, another wave of opposition comes. If you look in Nehemiah 4, you can look at verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls was going forward and that the breaches were becoming, beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And look at this. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. And here, here's, listen, this is what they're saying. The strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At the time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space, behind the wall and open places, I stationed people by their clans and with their swords, their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose and said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Now, I love this picture and this little, 
chunk of text because here's what he's saying. Um, in this fight, you're going to have opposition. Somebody's coming to kill, to confuse the plans. And what's going to work is you make your heart and yourself ready, and then, and then you get a band of brothers or a band of sisters to come around you and walk with you. I don't think there's anything more important than we find those who will fight alongside us. People that want to come alongside with us and say, I'm going to watch your back. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I want to hear, I want to help you hear the Lord. I want to encourage you on those days where you feel challenged. We want to help you step up into the things God has given to you. That's why we often are announcing or encouraging people to get in small groups or small groups are not on for the summer, but our, our small groups will be meeting up back up in the fall again. It's so critical and so important that you've got people that come alongside you to gird you up, to walk with you, to encourage you, to speak life over you. This is critical. It's what we see all the time. How do we face opposition? You have to be really centered on what God wants to do, what his call is, what his purpose is, his plans are, and you gotta have people that wanna love you through that process. I know you inside and out, know the good and the bad and the ugly, and are ready to be with you and to even sacrifice on your behalf. It's so important. It's why the body of Christ is here. It's why God's put us together, that we'd be a people that come alongside each other walk with each other, lift each other up. That's what God wants to do. It's what he wants to accomplish in us. And so we're just gonna take a minute and, uh, and we're gonna ask God to begin to do these two things. And so you can put your notes down. Um, I think we got through all the notes. You put your Bibles down and I just want you to pray into this for just a moment. We're just gonna take literally two minutes. Father, we just want to come before you for a moment and let our heart be stirred again. I'm thinking right now just of, um, it's just a, a personal testimony, but my, my, one of the, probably the coolest things I've ever seen in my life is uh, when we sensed maybe the enemy was coming against our kids. Um, I get, I've, I've watched my wife get like white hot angry at what the enemy was trying to do and just be willing to stand against it. And just we've, we've walked around and in and through our house coming against strongholds. And I just want to encourage you. What are the things that need to be torn down? What are the things it's time for you to just sense? I'm not standing for this anymore. God's granted you a vision. He wants to rebuild things. He wants to renew things. He wants to restore. The enemy would love nothing more than to lie and bring confusion. And it's just time for you to say, not anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. 
not standing for what the enemy would try to bring. And then just right where you're at, just say it. Lord, I'm not standing anymore. I'm not standing anymore for what the enemy would try to bring. I'm, I'm putting my eyes on you. Whatever opposition has come against me, I, I put my eyes on you. And then, Lord, would you bring one or two or three people around me that could walk with me? Encourage my heart, lift me up. Maybe I could lift them up on their hard days. Would you anchor down the family of God? Can we walk with you, Lord? Some of you have been facing opposition. You felt it like big time. And maybe even it feels like the enemy has just had a heyday. And the Lord just wants to say to you, I see you. And I have overcome. You take heart. In this life, you'll have troubles, but I have overcome for you. So will you just receive the victory of the Lord, even just where you're at? Whatever has come against you, I'm receiving the victory of the Lord again. You're my victor. You're my finisher. I trust you. God, I thank you that you are so trustworthy. I thank you that whatever has come against us, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we trust you. God, I pray this week that we would walk with you in victory in life, not having our heads hung in shame but walking in the confidence of your spirit. Believe that that's what you want to do and accomplish. And our children, and our homes right now, and just plead the victory of Jesus in your home and in your workplace. You might even be in a toxic environment. King of kings goes before you. You're not beholden to that. Lord, may we walk in your victory. In the name of Jesus. Would you guys stand with us? We're going to close out just with a benediction. I just want to pray a blessing over you as you go. Stay in line with this. We're going to have just uh, prayer partners up front. Maybe you've felt a significant amount of, of opposition, and we're going to have some people up here ready to pray with you just about whatever's going on in your life. We'd love to do that. Um, but I'm going to pray a blessing for us, over us as we go. You might, if you want to put your hands out just to, in an attitude of receiving, you do that. You don't have to. We just... We love to position ourselves here just to get from him all that he has to give to us, believing we're going to receive it. Father, would you bless and keep us? Would you make your face shine upon us? Every person in this room, no one is excluded. Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance upon us. Would you give us peace? And pray we'd walk in it this week, we ask. In the name of Jesus, amen.